0: It's the Comedy Store tonight, starring Argus Hamilton. With tonight's guests, Chris Spencer, Brody Stevens. And now, live from the bowels of the world's greatest comedy club, it's the Comedy Store tonight, with the star of the show, give it up, Argus Hamilton! Thank you, all. Thank you all for being here. Welcome to the Comedy Store tonight. I'm Argus Hamilton, your host, and I want to especially start by thanking our studio audience for being here tonight, for coming out in the rain. It is a freakish rainstorm season right now in Los Angeles. Last night, they even had, there's this redneck town north of here called Bakersfield. <laughs> Last night, they had a hailstorm in Bakersfield. They've never seen hail in Bakersfield. Yeah. They all came running outside, all happy. They thought it was raining crystal meth. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Yep>.
0: <laughs> My gosh. Meanwhile, right here in West Hollywood, serious case going on right now. The Democratic donor, this big donor named Ed Buck, is a a subject of interest because two black men have been found dead in his home in the last two years. And uh, one more time and the LAPD will be forced to interview him. (laughs) For a job. (laughs) Meanwhile, Hollywood stars right here in Tinseltown are mobilizing this weekend to protest against President Trump's border wall. Did you hear Michael Moore? Michael Moore is planning a 14-minute hunger strike. (laughs) 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 He'll never make it. (laughs) Amazon, did you hear? Amazon announced a brand new special. Free shipping for any divorce over 60 billion dollars. <laughs> Cuz I'm a baby boomer, I don't know anything about Amazon. To me it's still a river, you know. <laughs> over in Ohio today, did you hear a 6-year-old was found with a gun while walking to school? Who still lets their kids walk to school? <laughs> <laughs> National news today, just today, Donald Trump dismissed a New York Times story that said the Russians tried to recruit him as a spy last year. Trump called it insulting. And it's also disheartening. You know, I'm old enough to remember when Russian spies look like Ivanka Trump. (laughs) Meanwhile, Did you hear the big news? Last night, President Trump hosted the football college champion Clemson Tigers at the White House. Did you hear about this? Yeah. Not only did he feed them Big Macs, Burger King, Wendy's Burgers, and Kentucky Fried Chicken, he also made Taco Bell pay for it. (laughs) I have some good news today. Supreme Court Justice Brett Kavanaugh volunteered to pay for the border wall by recycling his empties. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Since the shutdown, Mexico has been sending record number of bricks our way, but you can't build an entire wall out of cocaine. <laughs> the government shutdown today reached its 25th day. When it hits 35, Trump's going to trade it in for a younger shutdown. (laughs) So, uh, the campaign is already underway for the next uh, presidential election. Last weekend, Tulsi Gabbard, the Hawaiian congresswoman, announced she's going to run for president, and Trump actually welcomed her to the race. He said if she gets elected, she'll be the first president ever born in Hawaii. (laughs) Also, Elizabeth Warren, well, she got angry in Iowa and refused to answer any questions about her lack of Native American ancestry. Uh, Republicans need to give her a break. I mean, her Indian name is not Gray Beaver. (laughs) 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 Well, our hero, Mel Brooks, came to our rescue, comedians. He told Bloomberg News yesterday that political correctness is destroying comedy. And he's right. He's really right. Today you can no longer call a moron a moron. You have to call her Congresswoman Alexandria (laughs) (laughs) Ocasio-Cortez. Unbelievable. Now, this is hot news, okay? Did you hear about the Republican Congressman Steve King? Mm -hmm. He's in really hot water you know, for wondering out loud in front of reporters why the phrase white supremacy is so offensive. You know, it's already cost him his cooking show.
1: <laughs>
0: and it's a shame because I found his cornbread delicious. I mean, I'm sorry about his language, but you either like authentic Southern cooking or you don't. <laughs> Meanwhile, Walmart. No, no, Paris. News from Paris. Paris, did you hear, in Paris, France, they closed their very first nude restaurant last week for lack of customers. Yeah. It's because tourists don't want to see frog legs unless they're on a plate.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> and finally, did you hear, Walmart banned a woman who, in Wichita Falls who was riding around the store in a motorized cart, drinking wine out of a Pringles can and screaming that she's worth the $60 million. (laughs) Kathy Lee Gifford is making personal
1: appearances?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I tell you what, folks. We got a great show tonight. I mean, we really have a great show tonight. We have... A couple of really main room crowd killers that uh, are all over the industry. We have uh, Chris Spencer with us. We have Brody Stevens. and We've got a lot of fun right for you. So stay tuned. I'm Argus Hamilton. <laughs> Welcome to the show. So nice to have you with us. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Comedy Store tonight. I'm Argus Hamilton. And uh, we're starting the show tonight with a, a gentleman I love performing with at the Comedy Store Main Room on weekends a lot. And uh, anywhere we can get on together, it's it's a lot of fun. He is a crowd killer, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he's got all kinds of shows all over town. Uh, he's one of the uh, creators and stars of the Real Husbands of Hollywood. Uh, all the TV cable networks, you see him do stand-up. He's hosted his own talk show called Vibe. Uh, give it up for Chris Spencer, ladies and yeah. gentlemen. Yeah.
2: Chris Spencer! <laughs> On, so nice. Nice. Nice, nice to have you here. here. Nice, to have you here. Nice. nice to have you here. This is great. Look at this. Your room is so diverse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Irish people and Scottish people.
0: <laughs> Just like a night in the main room, isn't yes, it? Yes, <laughs> every night, every night. At twenty dollars covers it. It's a bench. It's yeah. a it's a bitch. <laughs> it be
2: bench. Yeah. Anyway, how you been? I'm great. I'm yeah. great. Just glad to be out of that rain. You're, you're doing Sam Tripoli's show upstairs? Yes, yes. Uh, I love working with Sam Tripoli. He's, he's always great. Matter of fact, my Showtime special, I'm sure all of you guys have seen it, uh, came from me doing a Sam Tripoli show. It did. Yeah. So hopefully I'll upgrade and get an HBO special tonight. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Here we are.
0: Well, um, you, uh, I, 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 I really thank you for filling in because Steve Byrne had to attend a uh, a premiere of his own movie tonight, oh, when me. he found out. And uh, I found it interesting that uh, you asked your wife if you could come here
2: a little yeah, early. What's yeah. the married life like for a comedian? same shit just, you just said. We have to, uh, not that I can't just say, hey, I'm finna go. But, you know, just out of the courtesy uh, and to make sure I can play golf tomorrow. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if I can do certain things. Just so she, you know, you just, it's just all about communication. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just got to make sure. You know, I didn't actually ask her. I told her in the form of a question. Oh, how do you do <laughs> that? I wanted to hear how you do You that. don't mind if I go do Argus Hamilton's show, do you? Something like that. <laughs> how long you been married? Nobody counts a life sentence, man. <laughs> <laughs> Twelve, twenty-seven, something like that. 12, 12, Twelve years. Wow. How old is my son? My son is thirteen. Black people usually get married a year. You, <laughs> you have to have your kids in your wedding. <laughs> so my son was, was one. Yeah. So yeah. That show gets cold, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah my, my my uh wedding vows was um she said, I am pregnant and I said, Okay, let's get married. Wow. Yeah. That's a beautiful scene. Yeah, that's a beautiful scene. Yeah. I didn't want to be a baby daddy. right
0: yeah. okay. She did the right thing. I did.
2: Yeah. I so
0: so that kind of makes you mature. A yeah. lot faster than yeah. regular comics. You're before.
2: even more mature because you say mature instead of mature. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I wanna say mature from now on. Mature. Yes. I guess I'm not an amateur. Yeah. So um yeah, I, I just I wanted a family. You know what I mean? Yeah. I always saw myself with a family. So I have a beautiful wife and two beautiful kids. Uh a daughter who's uh, my son is thirteen and my daughter's twelve. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Now, how much of that inspired your uh, your show? All of it. Yeah.
2: All of it. I used to talk about, you know, being happy, and now I talk about the family. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's work, ladies and gentlemen. For those of you who have kids and a wife... See, my problem is, we, we live in Sherman Oaks. Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, wealthy... Our kids go to a very private school. It's, uh, you may have heard of it. It's on the corner of foreclosure and divorce. <laughs> and... So when you hang out with these people, your kids want the same things as these kids and yeah. your, parents, your wife wants to do the same thing as their wives and it, it just, it just becomes, it becomes a problem. Like my wife wanted a, um, uh, a Louis Vuitton purse and I was like, how much does it cost? And she was like $2,700. Mm-hmm. And I was like, boo, you need to find a purse equivalent to the amount of money you're going to have in the purse. What you need is a $38 purse. You don't need a Louis Vuitton, you need a Larry Vuitton. (laughs) Larry (laughs) Vuitton. You need a Michael Kors light bag. (laughs) Money you brought in last year.
0: I always thought, this is why I only chase after emotionally unavailable women. Yes, good for you. I always felt it was better to have loved and lost than to... Stay home every night helping your kids with the homework. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever been married? No. What?
2: I'm going fourth dates. What are you talking
0: about? <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: time to move on. Yes. <laughs> what, what era was the best for dating? I mean, I know you said you're uh, a baby boomer. Was it the 70s? Was it the 80s? Where did you have the most fun? In the,
0: in the eight, in the time between Nixon's resignation and the and Belushi's death, that was the party of all time. Right. From About 74 to 83. And then when Belushi died in 83, right about the same time, AIDS hit. And oh. suddenly everything became very serious. Right. And every date was like an agreement and
1: a, you know, <laughs> and a contract. And you're going to no, wear I, this. Let me get a little blood, please. And,
0: uh, yeah. you know, every date is sponsored by Goodyear Tire and Rubber. Right. <laughs> so. You know, it's so
2: funny that you're interviewing me because there's so many questions I want to ask you, especially because you came up with Robin and Richard. And yeah. I remember you guys were on the Richard Pryor show, Paul Mooney. I mean, I just... That, that must have been incredible, right? Paul
0: Mooney was my absolute hero. Yeah? And uh, there, was a, there was a comedian in the 1940s and 50s named Lord Buckley.
2: Yep, I know Lord Buckley.
0: And Lord Buckley was very much above it all and yes. very much the master of all he surveyed. Right. That's Paul Mooney. Absolutely. And Paul Mooney, uh, he rescued Richard Pryor after Richard cracked up on stage and started writing scripts with him for Sanford and Son. Right. Got him to the comedy store. And, wow. and really turned him from being a, a, a cute little impressionist when he was Richie Pryor into being, whom I later called Dark Twain, he, he, turned, <laughs> he, t- he turned. Oh, so he's
2: the one that got him. Oh, is that the San Francisco connection? Because you always hear about Richard going up to San. No, Francisco.
0: No, 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 no. I, no, I, I, no, just,
2: I know. I know. I know. Paul is from Oakland, so was well, he the one bringing him up there to become uh, this Paul, other person? You no, know,
0: Paul just had this influence on uh, on on Richard. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, and I'm sure Mel Brooks helped out a lot when All he got right. Richard on Blazing Saddles. Yeah. So that's when Richard was going through the the transition for that, that when he made that breakout album right. that in words crazy you know? right and uh, he became the, the toast of the whole baby boom when he came out with wow. that album and that was a breakout were that's he, when he he went from Richie to Richard with that were
2: comedians jealous? no no no
0: they were they were awestruck they really? were awestruck by uh, by Richard by Mooney they were intimidated
2: really because Mooney <laughs> took
0: everybody's inventory to their face wow <laughs> he, he you know and uh, and the, 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 it was never a great crowd. It was always they were critically white.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Who were your comedy influences? I mean, up?
2: that's one of them. Uh, of course, Eddie, um, Damon Wayans took me under his wing early. Really? Yeah. So I was on the road with Damon and all the Wayans. I did, you know, I did movies with Sean, movies with Marlon, wrote a book with Sean, uh, I did movies with Damon and Keenan. So they were an early, early influence on my life. Um, uh, I mean, I love I love watching you, man I mean, like Nobody writes a joke Better than Argus Hamilton I don't know if you guys yeah. I tell you Are what. a paid audience Or you guys are real fans of his But this yeah, dude And it's, it's such an honor To work You know, we, we bring each other up uh, Almost every time we work yeah, For some I reason we were, They think, we're I, think on the trying to, together. I think they're trying to Remake uh, Different Strokes And he's Mr. Drummond yeah. and, <laughs> and, uh, every show We're on together Well, I uh, so I have to get out of the building as fast as I can,
0: so I don't feel bad about the huge, thunderous laughs I hear right at when you go on. Well, no, it's usually I'm, some a,
2: it's, I'm usually doing some of your jokes that you didn't do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, we have a good time here at the comedy store. Absolutely. Um, How
2: many years you been here now? Uh, yesterday
0: was my 43rd anniversary of being in Los Angeles. Wow. And this is when Mitzi had all the comedians terrified. I mean, she she was in the back of that room. Mm-hmm. And Monday night, you know, she would have her friends around her, like Mooney. They'd be sitting around her, but it was terrifying going. How up many on times did you have
2: to audition for her?
0: Three times. Then Two she times. sent us over to Westwood. But Mitzi was so picky back then. Jesus Christ could have auditioned for Mitzi
2: Short
0: she would say great stage presence but the magic castle is on Franklin <laughs> 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 that's brilliant
2: nice trick with the wine though could you teach me that one <laughs> <laughs> that would really save my costume. You know? who, who used to blow you away like who would you go I know I have to leave but I, and he's, he's about to go on stage I'm going to stay You've never seen
0: anyone in your life like Richard Pryor life. Once he got that album done, he would work out for six or seven weeks, every single night in the original room. Mitzi would put us together a second show, a 10 o'clock on show, and either David Letterman or Johnny Witherspoon would MC. Uh-huh. He would bring up Marsha Warfield, uh-huh. and after Marsha, Richard would go on, go as far as he wanted to go, and then Mooney would be the insurance at the end of the show. And you would have, Johnny Witherspoon made so much money as a doorman working that show when the line would be around the block, oh. paying $100 a table, mm-hmm. back when rent was 200 a month with no phone bill. <laughs> 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 I mean, I mean, it was, it was action, wow. absolute action. That's and great. Richard would park his yellow Rolls Royce next door at the high Right next to yours, right next to yours? Pardon?
2: Next to your Rolls No, no, no. I, I had an MG midget. You can't say that word anymore. Yeah. You had an MG. Small I had an MG little
1: person.
2: <laughs> so,
0: but I tell you who was also good, and uh, this is more line uh, when you're a young comedian. The, the greatest waste of talent I ever saw, as a stand-up comic, the guy who threw it all away was Eddie Murphy. Because Eddie Murphy was the most gifted, naturally gifted stand-up right. you ever saw. And the moment he made his first 10 million, he just disappeared into the movies and never came back into stand-up. What'd you think of him?
2: Isn't that the goal?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, I actually you
2: know we do We do miss, he, and I've talked to him several times about him coming back and he always says he's coming back, but I think it's, it's, just a, it's such a different day. Like now that, you know, I think he's worried about people putting his stuff out there too early. You know, you you know, people are always got their phones and their YouTube and their Instagramming, and so I think now with the advent of those new, you see those little sleeves that Dave Chappelle and Kevin Hart and Chris Rock they make the you make they give you that you take their they take your phones and they put them in these little sleeves and you can't record. So now that that's out, we may see the resurgence of Eddie Murphy.
0: Because for the casual viewer and for our studio audience. At the comic strip in New York, uh, the guys were raised there like Seinfeld and Don Herrera and Jimmy Brogan and those guys. They said Eddie Murphy would stand out in line forever for that one spot on stage. And if he didn't get that spot, he would cry. I mean, he would go. He, would, he just had to have it and that kind of that kind of effort showed when he became this this genius on stage. That's how I
2: felt about coming in here. Yeah. I was out front and they were like Argus says it's full and I started crying. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, when I got
0: sober a lot of people started crying cuz they figured I might make it after all. <laughs> what was your
2: drug of choice cuz you partied in all those eras? What was
0: I loved alcohol. I love beer and cocaine. Beer and Coke together? Yeah, together. Absolutely together. Absolutely together. Okay. <laughs> don't, don't want to get don't dry. Like, yeah. <laughs> don't want to go to sleep. you got to have both. Right, right. Beer and Coke. Yeah, absolutely. I, I hated Coke. I mean, I, I just love the way it smells. You know? Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, we had... Uh, the, the crazy thing about the late 70s, because there's a lot of movies and stuff made about it, mm. was that uh, you made good money back then. Somehow you made good money... But rent was 200 a month here in Los Angeles. Your phone bill was $10. Right. And that was about it. Right. Everything else went right up the nostrils. <laughs> it was good. That left us way too much money to have fun with. I can't imagine. But it we had like,
2: fun. It seemed like everybody was on to, huh? it too, was, huh?
0: It was absolutely nuts. And Richard Pryor, he was the Pied Piper. He Richard was the, Pryor did cool? He was the one no, that made it cool. <laughs> he, he, in other words, you had to have role models. Right. Pryor made it cool. Pelushi made it sloppy. Uh-huh. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> I did my best to run those dealers out.
2: But, uh. right. <laughs> you know what's so funny? When I look at those pictures of that, like, there's only a few of you guys left. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, uh, what was Mr. Miyagi's name? Uh, yeah. Mr. Miyagi, what's his real name? The Asian guy of Happy Days. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. What's his name again? Pat Morita. Yeah. Pat Morita, Robin, Richard, like, you know. I see Sam. Those, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, I see those pictures. I'm like, wow.
0: Oh, I must it, have been it, it's a roll yeah, call, and yeah. it, uh, Jim Varney, and uh, it, it, there's no reason to get lugubrious about this. But by God, there was some really funny talented yeah. people, you know, yeah. and, uh, and 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 that, that drugs and alcohol just took a scythe through the whole generation, right. And uh, I just ducked it just in time. You ducked and, it, yeah.
2: right? Good for you. Good for yeah.
0: you. I went to went to the Betty Ford Center mm-hmm. to these uh, rehabs, and mm-hmm. they perform miracles. Right. In 28 days, they take alcoholics mm-hmm. and drug addicts. And, Turn you into sex maniacs and overeaters. <laughs> 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 it's the Betty Ford Center. I call it the, uh, yeah. University of Oklahoma, I call it the Betty
2: Ford Preschool. <laughs> right, right, right. Where'd you go to
0: school? You go? I went
2: to UCLA. Yeah. I went to UCLA. Uh, I graduated uh, not magna cum laude, not summa cum laude. I graduated. Lottie-dottie, we like to party. Yeah. Uh, I graduated, um, and it was a good time. I, I, I've so never left L.A. I, I, I grew up in Inglewood, then I moved to Pasadena, then I went to UCLA, and, I, and now I live in the Valley. To which the
0: white guy says, Pasadena? Yes, exactly.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> South Central Pasadena. Oh, that's better. <laughs> i a twist it. Yep.
0: Jackie Robinson's Pasadena. Yes, yes, yeah. Jackie
2: Robinson. Michael Cooper's from Pasadena. Yeah. Yeah, some some good athletes from Pasadena.
0: Yeah, well, so um, so you you start doing stand up. Start doing stand up.
2: Years ago, uh, thirty maybe. Doing yeah. open mics here. She never passed me. Mitzi didn't. I got the funniest comedy store story. So, I would do rooms. You know, when we had the Urban Night, the Fat Tuesdays, yeah, yeah, I remember. and tripping on Tuesdays. And you know, we, we always throw a nickname with the with the with the day, so you can know it's black. You know, we <laughs> we be killing them on Wednesdays, whatever. So. <laughs> I was coming in and out, and then one night, Eleanor was like, how come you don't call him for spots anymore? I was like, I never called him. She's like, yes, you did. You used to come all the time with Alex Thomas and Daryl Heath. I go, no. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, I she says, your name is on the wall. I go, no, my name is on the wall. She goes, shut up. I go, no. She goes, start calling on tomorrow. What do you mean? I'm going to tell Tommy that you used to be a regular. <laughs> 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 what? Yeah, I started calling and getting spots. Please don't tell
0: me she thought you were someone else. No, no, I don't I'm, I know uh, Eleanor
2: from back then. She, when she passed, and I didn't. Yeah. And uh, I started getting spots. I got my name on the wall, and, <laughs> and then Tommy got fired, so nobody ever knows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a true story. That,
0: that is the proof that God exists because yes. you
2: murder him in the main room. Thank man. you. Man. You just murder him. And she never liked me, but I wasn't. I, but I was a different. This was twenty years ago when I auditioned for her. So. Uh, what, what material were you doing back then? Were you the angry young black man? No, uh, uh-uh. uh, I was. I was very collegiate. Oh, okay, yeah. And so I think it seemed like she liked a lot of characters at that time. Like she liked. She just. It seemed like the black community she had at the time had this thing. Like Eddie Griffin had this thing. Yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, this thing called I Want to Be Richard.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Remember James Stephens the Third? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So I didn't really have a thing yet. I was yeah. kind of new. Daryl Savad had a thing. Daryl Savad, yeah. So I was more of a, quote unquote, an improv comic. You know what I mean? Like I was like more of an improvisation club where I was kind of collegiate and just stood there and kind of was more of a monologist. And then it wasn't until I started doing more urban rooms that I started to find my voice. Right. And then... uh, That's like when I go to Cracker Barrel. Right.
3: <laughs>
2: I say C word, barrel. I don't want to get, get in trouble with your people. <laughs> I'd be just as
0: nice south of Olympic <laughs> Okay, good, good, good,
2: good. And so then, um, and then I, I found my voice, and then you know I've been I've been here for the last eight to ten years.
0: Well, tell me when your next stand-up special is.
2: Um, we're, I'm working on that right now because I've I've gotten a few offers, but it seems like. It's almost more special nowadays when you don't have a special because it seems like everybody has a special. Yeah. So I want it to be really, really special. So that's why I love the OR. Yeah. Uh, because I really, really, you know, that room is just, it just makes you grow.
1: Yeah.
0: And
2: I feel myself growing as a comedian, excuse me, uh, every day and every time I work there. So I don't know when, but I I want to wait for it to be the right time so mm-hmm. it can actually be. Uh, special.
0: Now, I have a favorite night in the original room because that's where we like to create, you know, mm-hmm. because it's something in the main room. You feel like you've got to give them a Exactly, material. yes. But in the original room, when it's packed in there, you feel comfortable. <laughs> Sunday night, when you and I work Sunday night, yes. there, that's the night I'll I never whisper, noticed difference I'll, I'll whisper night. to you. I'll say, do the new stuff. Right, right. Yeah.
2: It's a good workout room. Yeah, I, I just. Do you have a favorite night in the original? I don't know if there's a favorite night. I just love the original room yeah. any night. Yeah. In uh, the main room, you know, I go, okay, I got to stretch and get ready, and especially if the, per- the person in front of you killed, yeah. like, if right. like, if the person in front of you killed in the OR, you're like, well, okay, he killed. Yeah. I'm still going to work out. The main room is lights, cameras, the room is so huge, yeah. and then you, you feel like you got to give them, you got to give them the stuff that you do uh, when you're actually making, you know, real money. Right, yeah. Not that, <laughs> not that, I mean, the main room still pays more than any comedy club in Los Angeles, but... You know, we make more money when we're actually on the road road. Yeah. And so you feel like you got to really come out there and kill. As in the OR, you can kind of chill. Yeah. The belly room, you can chill. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, um, I want to wish you luck. I want to thank you so much for doing the show. You're going thank up you. to do Sam Tripoli's show right yes, now. Yes, right now. And so for our Los Angeles locals or anybody visiting to L.A., uh, <clears throat> check out our, in the main room on uh, the early show generally on the uh, – On on Friday night, 10 o'clock show on Main Room. He and I are back to back, and don't miss us. We have fun. Don't miss
2: the new different strokes.
0: (laughs) 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 Give it up, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) (laughs) gentlemen. (laughs) Chris (laughs)
1: Spencer,
2: ladies and gentlemen. Chris Spencer. And we'll be right back, ladies and gentlemen, right after this. This is my favorite part when you go.
0: back So glad to have you back. this uh, this is main room killer act tonight I mean this is an unbelievable show we got going I want to bring to stage one of our great guys you've seen him in both the hangover movies he's seen him on specials he's got his own podcast he's going to tell you all about it he's tremendously popular Brody Stevens ladies and gentlemen
3: yes you got it thank Good you August it's a pleasure to be Excuse here for, okay, what is that, the name of the podcast it's called the Festival of Friendship the Festival of Friendship okay. yep where it's a festival and it's friends and we have a great time when do it's it's each it's wonderful. That's what it is. It's wonderful and it's weekly.
0: Yeah. Now Eric Oligney works with you on that, doesn't he?
3: Eric Oligney, I have him book the guests. I have him show up uh, high. I have
0: him, uh, <laughs> he he helped launch this show before moving on to you and doing other things.
3: Yeah, he's great at that. He yeah. he works at uh, you know at Funny You Should Ask with Byron Allen. He got a gig on the Weather Channel. Yeah. So I, I see. You know what he can bring and he's also like a good joke writer jo- joke teller as well and he kind of knows what you know what funny is why so yeah. trust him if you ask him about yeah. like is a show good can you describe a particular show yeah. he's good at that yeah so i took a chance on him you took a chance yeah. on him and now he's thriving yeah. well he's
0: another success story through the comedy store you
3: know yeah that's what these guys do now you are a bachelor I'm a bachelor uh, not by choice <laughs> I would like to have relationships but uh, I got kicked off e uh, Really? I got in trouble I got a little you know too many direct messages you know too much got a little too into it I will I mean I would settle down but I think I honestly I feel like the living here in Los Angeles especially with how it used to be okay show business is crazy now you factor in politics now and so many any, you know politically correct behavior it's, it's 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 gotten to the point where I just shut down I do my sets I drive through Laurel Canyon and I get home, and I go straight on U-Porn, <laughs> which is better than eHarmony, you know, to be honest with you, for that sort of thing. Yeah, they've lost 800,000 viewers a day since this government shut down. Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> government, yeah, DMV's still going. I don't know how that's happening. And I'm flying to Chicago tomorrow. I hope the TSA goes home. i got to sneak stuff on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got stuff. I, I have uh, tweezers. I have scissors. <laughs>
0: You've got a six ounce bottle of shampoo, don't you? Yes,
3: I do. <laughs> I actually like shampoo my body hair, you know, for for fun. Just give my give, I, you know, because it feels good to buy shampoo. I use it for my body, my chest, you know, different areas. So you know, different areas. Sure. I get in there. You because know, 'cause I'm good I actually I've done a lot of modeling. You know, you're a good looking guy, I'm a good looking guy. I've done a lot of modeling in Pakistan. <laughs> <I> have, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and things are going great. I I'm, have I'm, 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 I'm an audition. I'm playing Vladi Divac in his uh, next movie.
0: <laughs> You're the Brad Pitt of Pakistan, right? Do there you go. It.
3: And, I have, a, you know, we have a production office over in Glendale. So oh, I fit right in there. Oh, come on. The Armenian connection there. You got it. They, they cross over. I just got my Ancestry.com results in. Oh, so wow I'm, a, I'm 100% Jewish <laughs> and uh, European. I, I've got to get in yeah. and, and find out more, but... I know that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm attracted to hummus. I'm attracted to cream cheese. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, <laughs> conflicting behavior.
0: I used to think I was Irish, but ancestry came back and told me I'm just a drunk.
3: There you go. It happens. <laughs> Oklahoma. I'll be there Tuesday night. Really? Actually, don't. Saturday night. Yeah. With David Spade, we're playing the House of Blues. Mm. And uh, I'm going to throw your name around and see what dude, it gets me.
0: Do Well, I, uh, they know me back there, and I, I love them. They're a great crowd, and they know everything that's going on in the news. They're very sharp They have the internet?
3: Huh? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know. Are you a Barry Switzer fan? Barry and I are friends. Are you serious? Very serious. He's a good guy. He would smoke on the sidelines.
0: Yes. Yes, he would. Uh, he used to let me stand by him during the game because he liked my humor columns in the uh, school newspaper. I had a I had a school column called Okie Dokie in the school newspaper at the oh, University really? of Oklahoma during the Watergate period. Oh, yeah. And uh, with jokes on the news every day, just like now. And, uh, and Barry, it was his first year as coach, he liked the column so much he let me stand by him on the sidelines. Yeah, hu- I, I love Barry.
3: Yeah, humor is a big thing. Like, I, I'm going to go to Chicago tomorrow, actually. I'm going to mm-hmm. hang out with the Chicago Cubs. Yeah. I go to their winter convention. And my friend, who I grew up with in the San Fernando Valley, he's a baseball coach. He's been a Major League Baseball coach now for 24 years. He's yeah. been with the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Cubs. And, you know, comedy and humor is a big part of baseball. People, yeah. people, uh, you know, Tom Lasorda would always have Don Rickles out there. Joe Torre would always have... Billy Crystal out there, yeah. and now with the Cubs, I've been able to hang out with them the last eight years or so, and I, they let me suit up in spring training. I'll catch the the first pitch, yeah. because I played in college. I went to Arizona State. Oh, you did? Yeah, I played baseball in college. In fact, I'm wearing a jock strap right now. <laughs> <laughs> what position did you play? I was a pitcher. Really? Yeah, I was a starting pitcher. I was a relief pitcher. I, um, you know, I hurt my arm, actually, so I didn't get to... Take it to the next level But I was I mean I had some good Moral victories for myself You know So I learned a lot Playing baseball And I learned a lot about Group mentality The psychology of coaching And I also learned about having a good personality, being a positive teammate. Because when I was done playing, they kept me around to coach. They actually liked having me around. So I always try to, you know, share that with comedians or share that with other people. It's like, you know, being positive, you can always be around something. So I took that, I think I took that energy into later on when I started doing audience warm-up. I've done a lot of audience warm-up for these television shows. Best Damn Sports Show, Chelsea Lately, a bunch of the Comedy Central shows. And a, a lot of it has been... Positive, focusing on the positive because mm-hmm. it's easy to be a, a natu- to be a downer and be down, but uh, to focus on the positive, and and you see the results. It's not like okay, we're just having a good time and we're losing. A lot of times you're having a good time and you're winning. Mm-hmm. See, my friend who's a coach of the Cubs, Mike Brazello, he has five World Series rings. He's been to seven World Series. He's in the playoffs every year because he has energy. Mm-hmm. He cares, and he also has balls. you got to push it. Mm-hmm. So when you see today a lot of the, the baseball training, it's all about can you throw 100, can you hit a ball 100 uh, uh, out of the stadium, but can you win? That's yeah. the thing that these guys are getting away from. They want to be have the best stats and the best numbers, but it's about winning. And when you win, then you get the opportunity to really help out other people right. when you when you're when you're part of a winning team if you're like on the Yankees or the Cubs you're always going to be associated with that and then you can have charities you can have events you can use it for good so when people talk about winning they oh that's a Trump thing it's about no being able to, being able to help charities help events yeah. and everybody does want to be associated with the winner but there's something about winning in fact Adam Eget who's the the booker here at the mm-hmm. Comedy Store he went to Joe Torre baseball camp in the San Fernando Valley he was raised by Borzello's family. Wow. Yeah, his family was around Adam all the time. Adam went to Joe Torrey baseball camp. So there, I, I always, I always tell guys that. I always talk about baseball on stage. Yeah. People, well, who cares about baseball, really? Well, Adam, we taught how to play baseball. Right. That's why I get these spots. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're talking about, uh, about, about your arm. How fast a fastball did you have? Was it clocked?
3: I got clocked at ninety-one. Yeah. In but but back back in 1989, that's like probably 93 today. Yeah. But I was a good pitcher. Yeah. I knew how to pitch. Yeah, I could you know I had a good curveball. I had a good changeup. And did the slider ruin your arm? I actually, you know what it did. I was um, I had bad mechanics when yeah. you throw a baseball. You know, you're, it's not a natural movement a no. lot of times you, you, the way you're throwing. And I did put extra strain on my elbow. I, a lot of, a lot of uh, pitchers have Tommy John surgery. Mm-hmm. I couldn't afford it, so I had Jimmy John surgery. <laughs> they put a six-inch roast beef in my. Elbow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was a, I, I was a good pitcher, and it I look like you had Bob Euchre's surgery. too.
0: There you are. That's yeah. a good one.
3: He's still going. He was yeah, on Mr. Yeah. Belvedere. I take that. <laughs> but. Uh, I was a good pitcher. I like to strike guys out. I, when I would play baseball, I could actually get mad up there and go, "I'm going to strike you out." Whereas if I go I go into on comedy, I can't really go into that that red zone. But I do step it up a notch. I feel like when I get on stage, I can step it up a notch, and I and I like it when particular, you know, people are in the back who had been, you know, Mitzi or a big time comedian or whatever, I, I could step up and do it. Whereas a lot of people get nervous. Ooh, yeah. somebody's in the room. It's, I like to step up.
0: It sparks your competitiveness.
3: Yeah, yeah. exactly. And it's uh, pushing positive energy. And a lot of it is just like doing shows, listening. Over the years, people, they start quoting certain things you do or the way you talk. And so I go, okay, all right, you listen to that. Okay, I keep doing that.
0: So now applying this to your comedy, okay, you get it now that you're, you've got your stage fee. You're, you're bulletproof now. You've, you've been up there enough to, to be able to pretty much talk about
3: what you want to talk about. What do you really want to talk about now at this stage of your career? Um, that's a great question. I think at this point, it's just still... It's still being positive, of course, in a, in such a negative world. The world's so yeah, negative. You get so the contrast. I what? keep it silly. I like to keep it silly. I because like, 'cause I'm a big guy. Yeah. I'm a big guy, so people can be, oh, he's a little this and that. So I kinda like keep it silly. And I go on the road with David Spade quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So with him I kinda set it up for David where I do my jokes, I get to be me, and if the crowd does need a little <laughs> pushing, I can go go yeah. that route. Yeah. But I like to I always I always think, I always tell comedians, like it is about jokes and stage time, you know, it's, 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 I'm always looking to, to find more jokes that I can tell in any situation, any mood that I'm in, because I have a lot of jokes that depend on this, the, what mood I'm in, what time I'm going up on stage, because I get a lot of late night spots here, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm up. There's freedom and challenge in that. Yeah. There's freedom in a sense that they let me You know, I get to do extended sets. I'll do 45 minutes to an hour in front of anywhere from 10 people to 15. Sometimes we get 50 people in there. And so, but when you go on, you're you're talking with Chris about going up in the main room. When it's packed in there, you got to give them that, you know, they're spending money. They're expecting expecting something, not down the middle, but they want to know what they're getting. Mm -hmm. So that can kind of take me out of my comfort zone at times. And I feel like, how do you solve that bite getting thrown in and doing it, and also writing more jokes? Yeah. Actually, taking the time, like I used to, more to go to the coffee house, listen to the jokes, and, and actively listen and write and tag.
1: Is
0: it uh, dating now? The world around you. What is it? Uh, what subject are you into now? Los Angeles.
3: I'm always, it's more usually about me. Yeah. It is about my growth, where I'm at, what I'm doing. But I do a lot of crowd work. I'm very like, I can just kind of play off that. And, and it's... uh I don't deny myself that. Some people say, "Oh, crowd work." Sometimes it's a shortcut, but I, I'll I do the crowd work and I piece it together.
0: Well, when so, you work late, you've got to be good at that.
3: Yeah, yeah, you got. To, I have to do that, and plus, it's from doing audience warm up. Yeah. So, and I learned that with the audience warm up about being positive. Like I always talk, comment on the crowd: arms crossed, negative. You're slouching. What did I do wrong? And I never go into the, the zone, the red zone, where I'm angry at them. I'm poking right. fun at them. Well, my crowd work, I tie it together. Oh, you're from Chicago. Boom, boom, this guy's from Chicago. And honestly, a lot of it, what I've gone into, yes, I have gone into, like, being, um, I'm into astrology, I'm into numbers, I'm into numerology, I'm into year of the dog, which is still, it's year of the dog. I'm a dog. I was born in 1970. And that goes until through February 4th, actually. So it's still year of the dog. So I'm into astrology. I'm into the, because I feel when you're into numbers and you're into Gemini talk, you're not going to offend anybody. You know, I, I don't want to, nobody's going to come at you for saying, oh, that's that's offensive. Kind of like, stay out of it. And then I put the numbers together, and it does make a connection. It and I, I do feel that I was born Jewish, raised Gemini. That's what I like to say. <laughs> and I went, my, my family's from New Mexico. That's where my grandma Jewish was. in New Mexico? You got it. Pioneering Jews of the Southwest. My grandmother was born in Las Vegas, New Mexico.
0: Next year in Albuquerque.
3: Yeah, there you go. Or Santa Fe. I'm more into <laughs> energies. Santa Fe has the energies. So I've been doing a lot of that the, con- the connections of, of the uh, the energies and then the Southwest. And then me going to Arizona and then Las Vegas. And just to, I'm just tying it all day. And then Laurel Canyon. And then talk about the comedy stores haunted. So I tap into all that. And the crowds, they might not get it right at first, but they start picking it up. Yeah. And I believe it. And then I go in to say, hey, The Chicago Cubs won the World Series. I was there. I pushed that through. Visualized Mm -hmm. I sold a show on HBO. I visualized it in the shower. I sold the same show a second time on Comedy Central. Visualized it. I got my spot. I've been doing the late. I never had main room spots. I would always be doing original room upstairs after the hump. Kind of getting ready for Don Barris. Usually (laughs) after the hump. And then... I was booked to do La Jolla comedy store. Oh. So Tommy, the other the former booker, said, Why don't you go in the main room to spread spread your wings a little bit because do some extra time because I'm gonna do a little more time down there. So I did I did a couple nights in the main room, then I went down to La Jolla and went well. I came back figuring, okay, I'll just go back to the original room. No, he kept giving me the main room, that last spot. And I just said, Okay, I'll do it again. Did a half hour, forty-five minutes, and then people were enjoying it. The sound guys enjoyed it. The other comedians enjoyed it. So I did that for like another year or two, about a year or so. And at that point I said, this could be a special. I mean, it is comedy. It doesn't have to be packed. It doesn't have to be a theater with busting audiences. It can be a small room that's just been blasted out. And I I, I said, this could be a special. So then again, I just started visualizing, manifesting it. And I got my manager and agent to help out to make this special happen. So I ended up shooting a special in the main room, recreating essentially that late night spot. And it's available on iTunes. And if you watch it, it's basically, it's not amazing, but it it captures, and that's what was my goal, was to capture a late night spot in the main room. And I I felt like I did that.
0: Well, you take a collegial atmosphere uh, or or an inclusive attitude up there for going on late. Mm-hmm. And I just was curious about your opinion how, on the opposite side of that spectrum, Sam Kennison, uh, even Paul Mooney, used to dare people to get up and leave with their early jokes to sort of like sift out the lightweights and just keep the hip aboard.
3: Oh, yeah, I'll do that, too. I'll, I'll do that, too. I, I could tell, like, especially now since... Comedy store is very popular, and some of these people just don't know. They go, oh, okay, he's gonna do his 15 minutes. We'll check it out. And then I go, I go, look, I'm gonna go on a little longer. Yeah. I can tell you may not be into it. Why don't you just leave now? Yeah, yeah. You can just go. But I, I keep it positive. They're usually like into it. If they do leave, it's always about like, oh, we gotta pay for a babysitter. Mm-hmm. I go, well, what he's in the parking lot? You better go get him. Or else, <laughs> or I'll, you know, I play around with that. And I had those elements of my special also, like yeah. people walking out. And it wasn't scripted. These guys were walking out. That's on the special, and I. I well, tell,
0: can, now tell our viewers how uh, they can see you on this special.
3: I sell it out of the trunk of my car. <laughs> uh, it's on VHS. Give me eight bucks and uh, <laughs> call it even. <laughs> you can find it on iTunes. It's on Amazon. Is there a name of it? It's uh, Brody Stevens Live from the Main Room. Yeah. And we did it here at the Comedy Store. They had. A, they did a great job. It looked good. The lighting was. It was. Uh, I, I'm happy with it. You know, a lot of people will do a special. They'll do something. They go, they didn't like it. It was kind of off the mark. I feel like essentially I got what I want, wanted to do. Same thing with my TV show that I had on Comedy Central. I had 12 episodes. And, and I what felt, was the name of it? It was called Brody Stevens in It. And that was based off a, a girl that I met in college at Arizona State. Because my freshman year, I was kind of homesick. My first semester, I was homesick for los angeles and every sunday my fall semester i would go to the mcdonald's in tempe arizona and there was a a lady working there at the mcdonald's i'd get the la times i'd read the newspaper and she was just so excited her attitude working at mcdonald's was like i'll take a a big mac combo and uh you know a soda and then would bring it up she would go Enjoy, and she was just very happy about it. And then I went to Wendy's, the drive thru mm-hmm. around the corner. I get uh, a frosty, the uh, fries, and the and the you know the double. And I pull up, and she goes, enjoy. She worked at Wendy's. And <laughs> McDonald's. Was these we, before the stalker laws. This is a, I don't know who's stalking who, but she had but she had a great attitude. Oh yeah. yeah. So when you're playing sports, team sports, yeah. I, I would bring that around the baseball team. Enjoy, enjoy it, and then everybody on the team starts picking up on it. Uh-huh. So I learned early on, I would say at Arizona State, and I grew up at the Valley. In the I went to Reseda High School and played baseball there, but I was able to really tap into that in college there when the team would start talking like me and picking up little phrases and we learned about also mental skills we learned about visualization we learned about positive affirmation and you know what it's arizona state we had like the most guys in the major leagues the top you know we have sent over a hundred and something guys in the major leagues that's why i went there I, i wanted to get out of the san fernando valley just kind of wanted to go away a little bit. And I went to Arizona. I felt like I'd be surrounded by Major League Baseball teams. I wanted to be around the best. (laughs) we they have
0: spring training.
3: Exactly. We had spring training, so we'd always had major leaguers around. And I learned about the mental skills to the point where it made me a better player, a better student, a a better teammate, a better coach. And then it's funny, like the Cubs went on to win the World Series in 2016. And their mental skills coach, who passed away last year, uh, Ken Revisa, he was our mental skills coach at, at Arizona State. So all of that stuff, you, the, the, all these teams have mental skills coaches, but it's all kind of the same stuff, and it all, but it all started with Harvey Dorfman who wrote the mental game of baseball and Ken Revisa. and I was lucky back in 1988 and 89 to really have that, see that early on. And then To use that in comedy, to use that here at the comedy store. I mean, I'm
0: wait a minute. If if you could envision a mental skills coach mm -hmm. at the comedy store, what would they do?
3: Mm -hmm. Uh, What would they do? A mental skill. Well, you know, I see a lot of comedians who get down after bad sets. They probably have an office in the parking lot. A little, (laughs) a little. Come, come to my office. What do you want to talk about? Take a little bit of this, you know, a little bit of that. Um, Let's go for a walk. Get Get some walking in. So our mental skills coach is essentially in Bogota. <laughs> yeah.
1: Exactly.
3: <laughs> <laughs> look, how can uh, real quickly, uh, when's your next special? Well, I don't know. I'm working on the next special. I gotta start getting the way I'm still letting this one go. And I I am I need to actually start preparing for my next special. Okay. And I think it'll be more of a traditional special. Who knows? But uh, you can look for that. You can always find me on I'm on Instagram, I'm on Facebook, I'm on Twitter, and I do try to keep it positive because I feel like, yeah, we're in a negative negative. People are negative, so you actually don't have to be too positive. You can actually be just a little negative, and you come across as positive.
0: (laughs) Brody Stevens, ladies and gentlemen.
3: Yes! He's wonderful. He's
0: Brody Stevens, ladies and gentlemen. Watch for his special. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. To especially thank our studio audience of their regular uh and uh, i really appreciate you coming out in the rain tonight and i want to thank our staff we had a terrific uh, writing session today putting together that monologue for you and again i always want to thank lauren taines Owner of Barney's Beanery for personally producing me, and uh, I want uh, I want to thank you, the viewers. This show is growing. Uh, spread the word. Uh, we live stream every uh, Tuesday at eight o'clock. We got two more great guests next week, and you got Lord Hamilton himself at the microphone. We'll see you then. All right. I'm Marcus Hamilton. <laughs> bye <Bye-bye>. bye.
1: <laughs> <Woo>! Great job, <laughs> guys. You How was that, was better?